Lord, thank you for this chance to be in your presence, to cast our cares on you, to gaze upon you. You've joined us in this place. You're present here with us. You're present in the, in the bread and in the cup. You're present in your spirit, and we thank you for that presence today. Like all who come before us, when we come into your presence, we stand in awe of you and we are changed by you. We worship you and we also recognize that we're fallible and that we've failed. So we give you our failures, our weaknesses, our struggles and our sins. Do the work of transforming us yet again, Lord. And empower us by your spirit to do better in the week to come than we did in the week that's past. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you saw your bulletin this morning, you saw an interesting statement that is there that says, um, that thing that you know that you ought to do, that God wants you to do, uh, and I want us to think about that today, because that's a big part of this sermon and this, uh, this, this message today, which is a lot about a concept of hearing God, and not only hearing God, but doing uh, what God says. Listen to these words from James in James chapter 4, and let me say before I even get started today, this is a very scripture-heavy sermon today. There's a lot of scripture, and there's a reason for that. Uh, this is the season for feasting, Thanksgiving season. And in these next couple of sermons, we will do a lot of feasting on God's word. We're going to look at a lot of scripture uh, this week and next week as we prepare for this time of Thanksgiving. So listen to these words from James, James chapter 4, beginning of verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. And then his summation of his point here, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. One of the classic stories of someone who knew the good they were supposed to do but didn't do it is the story of Jonah. You know this story from the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. I recently came across a poem where someone summarized the story of Jonah in just 20 words. So listen to these words as we kind of go through and, and understand these as a poem about the life of Jonah. Starting with, from Jonah chapter 1, God decrees, right? His words were, go to Nineveh. Verse 3, Jonah flees. Instead, he heads towards Tarshish. Verse 4, storms follow. Fish swallows, second chances, <clears throat> Jonah advances, Nineveh repents, God relents, 
by Jonah Lummins. Jonah pleads his case. God demonstrates grace. It is possible to hear God, but to fail to listen to God or to fail to do what God wants you to do. This is the story of Jonah, right? God wants to save the wicked people of Nineveh, not destroy them. Uh, God's will is that none would perish. You need to understand that about God. His heart isn't cut that way. He doesn't, he's not a God that wants to see his creation destroyed. Don't you understand that, that the, the, the flood had as much to do with the tears of God as anything? It was a horrible moment in history. God doesn't want to destroy the world. That's not his preference. That's not his plan. In fact, right, we know through the whole story of Jesus, his plan was to save the world. His will is that not one would perish. And so God did not want to see the wicked people of Nineveh destroyed. That was the last thing he wanted to see happen. Jonah, however, did want to see the people destroyed. They're wicked. They do bad things. They deserve death. Jonah hated them. That's the right word, hated them. Do you know why Jonah did not want to go and speak to them? He was afraid they would repent and that God would would pull back his wrath and that God wouldn't harm them. And Jonah wanted God to harm them. He wanted God to do mean and horrible things to them, to obliterate them. And so Jonah was like, God, I'm not going to do it. If I go and preach to them and they repent and and then you don't punish them, I'm going to be really upset with you So he refused to do the thing he knew that God wanted him to do. He fled. Of course, you know the story, right? Cast into the sea during the storm to calm the storm, swallowed by the great fish. And after three days in the fish, in which Jonah described himself as going into the depths and seeing the seaweed that wrapped around his neck. Don't know how that happened in the belly of a fish, but pretty interesting story. He described the ride as a giant roller coaster ride of sorts, even though he'd never seen a roller coaster. He talks about going to the heights and depths of the ocean. Uh, Talk about being seasick. When the fish vomited him on the shore, I don't think he was the only one with an upset stomach. You know what I'm saying? And after that, Jonah's uh, heart had at least softened, and he thought, you know, maybe I should just do the thing God told me to do. So reluctantly, he did it. And as he thought might happen, the people of Nineveh repented. And God did lament in his wrath for a time. And then, of course, he goes up and he watches, waiting to see what God will do. And when God doesn't destroy the city, God makes a nice little plant and grow over top of him because God's gracious even to the hard-hearted Jonah. And the great irony of the story of Jonah is that Jonah goes away at the end sad, distraught. But the people of Nineveh, they are living in grace at the end of the story. Well, The thing that you know God wants you to do, but you're afraid to do, or you're unwilling to do, that's that's what today's sermon is really about, because it is possible for us to hear God, but fail to listen to God. You know, throughout the Bible, God is a God who speaks. He's a God who speaks over and over throughout the Bible. We see uh, that God is a God that speaks, that he, he wants for us to understand and to perceive. From the very beginning in Genesis, we read those words, 
uh, and God spoke. God's a God who wants us to know. He wants us to hear. He said, let there be light. Those first words in, in Genesis 1 verse 3, uh, and God said, that's important. God says, and God speaks over and over and over. Uh, it's important for us to pay attention to what God is saying, to pay attention to what God wants for us to know and to understand. There are a lot of things that distract me, though. Are you one of these people? I get distracted easily. It's like that thing about squirrel, right? I, I've grown up with ADD, and because of that, I still have it at times, and, and I'm sure I've done it with some of you. I'm sure this has happened. While well, being in a conversation, we're talking about one thing, and something else attracts my attention, and mid-thought, mid-conversation, not to be cruel, not because what you were telling me wasn't important, I jumped to something completely different. I'm sure it's annoying. My wife will tell you it's very annoying. I'm sure that it is. It's a problem of being distracted, but I don't think I'm unique in that. Because I think a lot of us hear God, and we want to be in a conversation with God, but, but then we get distracted. One of the more interesting books that was ever written by the, the scholar C.S. Lewis wasn't uh, the Narnia books, although those are fun to read. It was a book called The Screwtape Letters, a conversation, a fictional conversation between demons, but it's a book that demonstrates how that Satan uses distractions. It tells the story of a man who is sitting in a library one day and he's thinking deep thoughts about God and faith. And how that Satan distracts him in different ways. He distracts him from a deep thought first by a pretty person who walks by. And then another distraction, a, a distraction of thinking about tasks that are left undone that he needs to get to. And then there's, of course, the final distraction, which is hunger. And he gives up his deep thoughts to go pursue his lunch. How Satan distracts us from things. He's good at putting a squirrel in front of us when it comes to thinking about the things of God. Well, God speaks to us. God wants for us to hear his voice. He wants us to understand what is most important. Listen to the, what, what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Pay attention. God is speaking to you. In John chapter 10, we read these words describing the relationship between Christ's followers and Christ, and it's wrapped up in the metaphor of a sheep with its master, its shepherd. Listen to how Jesus describes this. John 10, verse 25 and following, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. What do my sheep do? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me as greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. God speaks. The sheep of the shepherd know the shepherd's voice. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? 
In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16, we read these words, that we should be very careful of what voices we listen to and discern that it's indeed God's voice and not a false voice. Jeremiah gives us this warning, beware of false voices. This is what the Lord Almighty says, do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you, for they fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds and not from the mouth of the Lord. Jeremiah warned people, be careful who you listen to, what voices you give your attention. It's a good word for us even today. Be wise. There are many people that seem to be uh, worthy of our attention, but their message is not one that worships God. Jesus has a lot to tell us about listening and doing. Listen to the parable that Jesus tells. It's a parable that you've heard many times about sowing seeds and what happens to the seeds, but the point of this whole story, as we'll see, is about listening and hearing. That's the whole point of the story. If you have your Bibles or you have your tablet or your phone, turn to Luke chapter 8, and let's take a look at this story, this parable about hearing God. Jesus tells the story. We'll pick it up in verse 4 of Luke chapter 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled under feet. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. As it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is a parable about hearing God. Now when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and check this out, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable, parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who hear it, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones in the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. This is the idea that hearing is important, but not just hearing, believing and acting on the thing that we know God wants is pivotal. 
God still speaks. He spoke these words in John chapter 20. He speaks through the Bible. And John tells us that the Bible, these words, the scriptures were written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing we can have life in his name. Sometimes God speaks through the Bible. We need to be people who read it, yet Christians are notoriously bad for spending time reading their Bible. Yet God speaks through his word. Sometimes God speaks through circumstances. Listen to the story in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. It's a recounting of the Apostle Paul describing where he went and where he didn't go on his journeys. Paul write, or Luke writes of Paul's journey, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, but they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Scythia, oh my goodness, that one got me, didn't it? To Scythia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Paul interpreted that when they encountered opposition getting to places, that God was at work in their circumstances, and that the Holy Spirit was using those circumstances to speak to them. God sometimes speaks through the circumstances that are around us. There's a great story that talks about how God speaks at times in a whisper, in a still, small voice. Remember the story of Elijah? Elijah has had his glorious, victorious moment on Mount Carmel. They've called down the fire from heaven to consume uh, the altar that they've constructed and poured water on. It's an incredible moment for Elijah. But what happens next in the Elijah story is that Elijah panics. He is afraid of this wicked woman Jezebel who has decreed that she will kill him and has contracted with killers to have him killed. And he runs for his life afraid and terrified and not knowing what's going to happen to him next. And he prays not once but twice, God, kill me. Take me away. I don't want to be here. I'd rather die by your hand than by the hand of the wicked people around me. And God leads him to a place where God can talk with Elijah and communicate an important message. If you have your Bibles, again, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So the Lord said, Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord's about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. The wind shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
Yet after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out. He stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice, the voice of God spoke. It said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I, I've been very, very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And here's the hard part. Right? A lot of us know the thing God wants us to do. It's the thing we're afraid to do. The thing we don't want to do. The Lord says to Elijah, who just ran away, go back the way you came. <laughs> go right back there again. You were where you were supposed to be, and you ran away. Go back. But since you're here, those are my words, not the Bible's, God adds these words. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you're there, I want you to anoint a new king, Haziel. He'll be king over Aram. Also anoint another king, Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet this is an important word for Elijah to hear. God's basically saying, know this. I yet reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God was saying, you're not alone, Elijah. You're not alone. And then the three most important words in the story. So Elijah went. Hearing God's voice is important. Doing what he says, even more so. But we get so busy we are so easily distracted. There are so many things that happen. In his book, Stress Fractures, Charles Swindoll told a story. He wrote these words. He said, I re vividly remember some time back being caught in the undertow of too many commitments in too few days. It wasn't long before I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes, and feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions throughout the day. Before long, things around our home began to reflect the stressed-out pattern of my hurry-up lifestyle. I was creating a home space that was unbearable for everyone. I distinctly recall one night after supper, the word of my youngest daughter, Colleen. Colleen wanted to tell me about something important that had happened to her at school that day. 
But she had been living with a stressed out dad who was in a hurry about everything. So as fast as she could talk, Colleen said, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'm going to tell you it really fast. Swindoll said it was in that moment he realized his error. He knew he had done the wrong thing. His priorities had gone askew. He had heard God through the voice of his little girl. And so he paused and for the first time in a long time took a deep breath and told his daughter Colleen, honey, you can tell me. (laughs) And you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. And to double down, his daughter said, well then dad, you need to listen slowly because this is going to take a while. And she told him the story. Sometimes God speaks in a still, small voice. Sometimes he speaks to us in a small voice of one who is young. I want us to go back again to the book of James. One last time for a final word. James has told us that we should really consider that thing you know God wants you to do. And in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says this. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So what's the thing that you thought about when you saw the bulletin cover today? What's the thing that you know God wants you to do, but you've been reluctant to do? For some, it's, it's a temptation that you just haven't been able to get a handle on that you need to lay down. And you know it. You know God wants you to lay down, but you've had a hard time doing it. Maybe this is the day you say, okay, I've got to lay it down. I hear you, God. Uh, for others, it's a God calling you to do something that you haven't done. You, re- you really need to reconcile with your dad or your mom. Or you really need to reconnect with that long-lost sibling. You need to forgive, even though you hate them. Some of you know that's the good that you need to do. I don't know what that thing is, but my guess is that most of us, we know what it is. God's already talked to us about it. He's waiting to see, will we do the thing he's calling us to do? But for some who are in this place, it's a question about, you know that, that you're a Christian, you've already been baptized, you are a born-again believer, but you're disconnected from the church. Some who are listening right now online, you know your circumstance has been that you're disconnected from a body. You love hearing the, the messages, you like to sing along, but you're not connected to the, the body of Christ in a, in a real fellowshipping kind of way. 
For some of you, it's a call to membership. For others, it's a call to not forsake the assembling together of the saints. And for some who are here, my guess is God's been talking to you for a long time. Come to me. Let's have a relationship. I love you. Let's have a relationship for life. And for some of you, the decision that God's laid on your heart is the call to say, yes, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Yes, I'll be faithful in Christian baptism to do the thing you want me to do. Yes. I don't know what the thing is that God's calling you to do. God does, and my guess is you do. And if you've heard God's call, the question before us today, all of us is, Will I follow where he leads me? Will I do what he's asking me to do? Will I listen? And will I obey? Whatever decision you need to make today, would you make it? As we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation. of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow, but heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow, the grace there's right. 